So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Mark. We're going through a series in Mark. And um, at the same time, um, we're going through a series on, I guess, what it means to be a follower of Jesus and how it looks. And um, Jesus' ministry was extremely popular. You know, from the very beginning, you know, people loved Jesus for, for, um, for what he did, for what he said, just for who he was, I suppose. And we see, especially now, that in the last few um, Sundays we've looked at this series, we're getting into the last chapters of Mark, and we're finding that the crowd is getting smaller. And it was kind of funny because the last couple of Sundays here, everyone's just mass exodus on holidays or something. And so the crowd's getting smaller anyway. But, um, but with this, not a parallel, it's just a statement. But for Jesus, the crowd was getting smaller. Because the stuff that Jesus was saying and doing was hard to understand. It was like when, um, when Jesus said to the disciples, I am the vine, you are the branches. You know, and, and, and the father, the, the gardener prunes off the branch, prunes the branch. You know, he prunes off different bits of us that shouldn't be there to, to stop us from growing. You know those things in your life and my life that, that stop us from actually following Jesus wholeheartedly, all right? And so what, what the Father likes to do is, is trim those off. And we think that it's pain. We think that it's a, a tough situation, but it's actually just him pruning, pruning us so that we can, you know, bud more awesome flowers of, of awesomeness as people. And so Jesus has been doing that with his disciples. And last week we saw that in its, in its climax, I guess, because the last verse in your Bible, in, uh, before, before what Kirsten read to us earlier, it says that everyone left him. You know, it just, everyone left him. And then this one lonely young guy that was present there left as well. Everyone's just left Jesus. And it's now Jesus taking steps towards the cross and the crowd of all gone away. Gethsemane last week, Gethsemane is a word that means the olive press or the press. And it was a, a garden of olives, a grove. And um, it's somewhat symbolic of what Jesus was going through. And somewhat symbolic of what a lot of us go through sometimes too. And how we handle those times of testing, those times of crushing. All right. If, if you've never been tempted before in any way in your life, then you feel free to leave. Okay. Feel free. Thank you so much for joining us. But there's the door. You know, every one of us, we've, we've struggled in some way, shape or form, whether it be temptation to sin or just temptation just to not do the right thing that you know Jesus wants you to do. You know, it's wonderful when you, when you hear the Lord say something, even if it doesn't make sense to you, you go right ahead and do it, all right? Because that's, that's the best thing to do. And Jesus said to his disciples, he said, you are all going to, you're all going to leave me. You're all going to desert me. And they all said, what? No way, no way. I'm, gonna, I'm in on this. And Peter, he's like, well, Jesus, even if they desert you, I'm not like them. I'm going all the way. And we get to this passage tonight. And we see someone on trial. In fact, we see two men on trial. One's in the courtroom 
and the other one's in the courtyard. Two men on trial. Tonight's message is under trial. Under trial. Have you ever been under trial? It's like all the fingers are pointing at you, waiting for you to say something, waiting for you to measure up, waiting for you to live up to someone's expectation or to answer for something. I've been to court before. That might shock you as a reverend, as an ordained minister. It was, um, it was before I met Jesus, so it doesn't really count. But I, I've experienced that, and there was no one there to speak on my defense. I was just this young, stupid idiot, right? I'd done the wrong thing. I had guilty written all over me. I had matching shoes. And I walked into this place, and uh, I was scared spitless. I didn't know where to turn, who to talk to. Someone just showed me where to go. I went in. I stood there. This is the guy, they said. And someone said something. And then I left. And I was guilty. And then becoming broke after that. No one stood up and said, hey, you know what? This, this guy, he needs a second chance. You know, like he's just, he's just a kid. No one. No one. No one at all. You know, because I was guilty. Anyone ever been guilty before? Yeah. <laughs> Don't put your hands up. Yeah. Guilty of speeding. Guilty of saying the wrong thing. Yeah. No one likes it. You know, that's why there's a windscreen in your car that's bigger than your rear view mirror. If, the, if you were looking through the rear view mirror to drive forwards, you'd have a very difficult time in your car. That's why they make the windscreen bigger. Because what's behind you is not that important. Maybe that's a message for someone tonight. Because sometimes we can get caught up on the whole, I'm a sinner, I'm unworthy, I've failed. You know? And it's, maybe, maybe Peter was coming to that situation himself. In fact, we read at the end of the reading, he wept bitterly. He fell on his face and he lost control of his emotions. That's like, we're talking tears and snot and everything. He's just utterly broken. And rightly so. Because he thought, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm never going to let Jesus down. But he didn't pass the test. But I want to give you some tips maybe to help you to um, pass the test. <laughs> to try and pass the test. Next time there's a test coming your way, maybe just some tips. okay? Because Jesus gave his disciples some tips. In fact, he gave Peter the tips as well. Have your Bibles open. You got them open? We see, we see in Mark chapter 14 and in verse 38, Jesus giving them the tips. Jesus said to his disciples, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Now, that's not talking about the Holy Spirit being willing. That's talking about your spirit being willing. You know, that's like what Paul said in Romans chapter 7, where he said, I, I know the right things I need to do, but I just don't do them. You know that bit? Anyone know that bit? Feel free to nod because the sermon goes way shorter. So I know where you're at. Yeah. So it's the spirit is willing. I know what I need to do, but I stuff up so many times. It's like my mouth gets in the way. Maybe it's just me. Mm. But that's what Jesus said. Watch and pray. 
that you will not fall into temptation. Now, what does that mean? Just watch. So maybe Peter's just like taking this literally. He's like, okay, well, I just got to watch Jesus. So we see this scene now where Peter is following Jesus at a distance. And so is John, the other disciple. And they're following Jesus at a distance. Everyone else has run off, like disappeared into the darkness, gone home, locked themselves away, whatever. But Peter, at least Peter doesn't run too far away, right? Kudos to Peter. Like at least Peter steps out of the boat. You know, stop giving him a hard time about sinking. At least he stepped out of the boat, right? Like Peter, you know, maybe we've got a Peter in the room. Maybe we've got a Peter that just says, that just says before he thinks, you know, or, or does before he thinks or she thinks. Maybe we don't have a Peter. This message still applies because all of us have a trial somewhere. It could be a visible public trial. It could be a private trial. It could be a trial that you're sharing with others. It could be a trial that you're sharing in secret with yourself. Everyone has a trial. And the tips to get through the trial is to watch and pray. But what do you watch for? And what do you pray for? Well, we see Peter. Let's have a look at, the, let's have a look at this passage. Peter, Peter, um, Peter's following Jesus at a distance. In verse 53, it says, They took Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests, elders, and teachers of the law came together. He is, he is Jesus, and he's at Caiaphas's house, the high priest. In fact, John's gospel tells us that he's already gone to Annas's place for another little trial, and now he's come to this place for another. So there's three religious courtrooms for Jesus, and then there's going to be three civil courtrooms. He's going to go to Pilate, then he's going to go to Herod, then he's going to come back to Pilate, and then he's going to the cross, right? But first off, he's got to go through these three little three little religious um, courtrooms. And here we find him in the second one in Mark's gospel. Now, it's interesting because I've asked myself the question like you just did, why did Mark miss Annas? Why has Mark gone straight to this? Because he's trying to show a contrast between Jesus' trial and Peter's trial and help us to see that it's going to be okay in the end. So um, Peter followed him at a distance, it says in verse 54, right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. If you want to, if you want to, you can sin. If you want to. If you don't want to sin, hands up. Me too. I don't want to sin. Who wants to sin? Who wants to get caught sinning? Not me. Not me. But sometimes we place ourselves in situations where we're warming ourselves by the fire of the world and not by the fire of Jesus. Peter followed Jesus at a distance and he finds himself warming his hands by the fire with the people that he just tried to chop the ears off, the throat of. You know, the people he was fighting, he's now alongside them. And he's slowly, slowly spiraling downward into a slippery slope of failing in the trial. Many Christians follow Jesus at a distance, don't they? Like the other ones. I mean, you know, no one here. 
We've never followed Jesus at a, at a distance. There's two trials going on here. One's in a courtroom, one's in a courtyard. You know the ones in the courtyard still happen? Here for Peter, it was a servant girl and some others that were nearby. And they said, aren't you one of the followers of Jesus? Aren't you one of them? You look like one of them. You sound like one of them. Aren't you one of them? You know those courtyard trials? You ever been to them? You ever been one of them? Where you're working and someone comes up to you and says, you don't swear. Are you one of those religious nuts? And in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I should say yes. I should say yes. But then under pressure, you say, um, no. Has anyone ever done that? I don't want anyone's hands, hands going up. But those courtyard trials come our way. Not that we want to disown Jesus or being a follower of Jesus. Not that, you know, but, but we get pointed out by people or situations and we're not comfortable with the title Christian or we're not comfortable with the name Jesus in public. Maybe it's because of fear. Maybe it's because we don't know the laws of our nation. With, prosel pro with proselytize, prosel I can't even say it. With sharing the gospel. <laughs> I don't know. But sometimes we can find ourselves in those courtyard kind of experiences where our faith is under trial or our relationship with Jesus is under trial. And um, let's move on. It says here in verse 55, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. And you can read on, and they just couldn't find anything wrong with Jesus. They couldn't find him guilty of anything. And Jesus isn't in a courtyard with a servant girl and some riffraff. He's with the professionals. He's in a courtroom. They're interrogating him. There are men of high standing in the religious area, and they're pointing fingers at Jesus and asking him questions and bringing in false witnesses and, and trying their very best to put Jesus in a spot where he's found guilty. And they couldn't find anything wrong with Jesus. Two men are under trial, and both of them are found guilty. The man, Peter, and the man, Jesus. What's Jesus guilty of? Apparently, being God. Jesus is guilty of being God. Let's have a look. Again, it says in verse 60, Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this? testimony that these men are bringing against you. But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer to those false witnesses. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? In other words, are you the Messiah, the promised Messiah? And are you the son of God? Like he just comes straight out. And Jesus says, I am. I am. You know, it's beautiful in, in Exodus Chapter 3, 
if you've got your Bibles, flick there or press the buttons. It's really good to see this because it brings some depth and, and some background. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 13, we've, we see this scene of Moses and God, and God is calling Moses to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt, right? And Moses is, is like, I am not the guy. Don't choose me. There's nothing special about me. But God seems to think that Moses is the guy. And uh, in verse 13, Moses says to God, Suppose I go then to, Isra to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them, God? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am that I am. That's, I am who I am. That's what Yahweh, the, 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 the whole meaning of Yahweh is, I am that I am. And here, Jesus is basically saying the very same thing to these men that are putting him on the stand. They say, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Are you the promised one, deliverer, not from Egypt, but from the from sin, from, for deliverance into eternal life? Are you, are you that guy? Are you the son of God? Are you equal with God? And Jesus says, I've been waiting for this moment. I am. And then he doesn't just stop there. His mouth's already open. So he's just going to de declare to them, and you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. Isn't it beautiful that Jesus responds to their accusations and questions in a courtroom as the accused, telling them who the judge is? Isn't that beautiful? See, Jesus is there as the accused, and one day he's going to come as the judge. But in the meantime, we see him as the saviour, which is beautiful because God remains just and the guilty get punished. But the judge's finger is pointed not at you or me or Peter, but at his son. Isn't that just beautiful? Isn't that just worth, should I just be quiet and let you guys praise the Lord for that? Like, I'm serious, Christian people. We are in a place of amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me and you. Isn't it beautiful that Jesus stepped into that place and took on his shoulders the punishment that you and I deserve? It's just amazing. It's just beautiful that Jesus is in this courtroom being accused and one day he's going to come back as the judge. The high priest tore his clothes and that's uh, blasphemy, apparently, calling yourself God. And so Jesus gets accused of being God. He's found guilty. He's found guilty of being God. And there's all the evidence is there because he's just stated it. What else could he do? But Peter, he finds himself guilty too. He finds himself guilty by association. Have a look at what the servant girl says. 
in where is it in verse 66 while peter was below in the courtyard one of the servant girls of the high priest came by when she saw peter warming himself she looked closely at him you also were with that nazarene jesus she said you look like a follower of jesus she said you look like him you look like one of his followers but he denied it i don't know or understand what you're talking about he said and went out into the entryway and then when the servant girl saw him there she she said again to those standing around this fellow is one of them again peter denies this and then after a little while those that were standing around said to peter surely you're one of them for you are a galilean in other words your accent gives you away the way you speak gives you away He's found guilty by association. Will you and I be found guilty of association because of what we look like and how we speak? I want to be found guilty. I want to be guilty in Pakenham for following Jesus. I'm more than happy to stand and be guilty in the crowd. I wasn't always like that. Because the crowd sometimes is more loud than the Christ. Well, Peter was like that. He fell. He didn't have his eyes open. He wasn't watching. He left Jesus' side. He followed at a distance. He became comfy and surrounded himself with the wrong crowd. Sometimes we can do that, right? If you're doing that, if you're following at a distance, if you've left Jesus' side, and you're hanging around with the wrong crowd, then just watch out because the next thing you're going to probably do is deny Jesus. Just watch out, watch out, okay? And the other thing Jesus said was not just watch, but pray. Pray that you won't fall into temptation. Pray, pray, right? What's prayer? Talking to God, talking to Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me, abide, right? Stick, connect, abide in Jesus daily. Spend time with him in prayer. Shut the door. Aeroplane mode, people. Who's on aeroplane mode tonight? Is this, is this a secret place where you shut the door of the world and just spend time with the Lord? Abide in Jesus daily. Pray, right? Pray. Abide in Jesus daily. Second thing, follow Jesus closely. Peter followed at a distance. We need to follow Jesus closely. Every word, every value in community with others. You know the old analogy where you, you're at a campfire and you take one of those burning coals out and put it on its own? What eventually happens to it? It just gets darker and darker and darker and it loses its warmth, it loses its light. Then what, do you, what happens when you pick it up and put it back in? Yeah. Hebrews 10.25, don't forsake gathering together. It's tough under COVID, isn't it? But we can manage in ways that we, we can call each other up or on Facebook. I'm hopeless at Facebook, but Facebook's a thing. You know, we can do that. All right. Fellowship. Follow close. Follow Jesus closely in community. Another thing we can do in prayer is there's always a gate. In the, in the trial, there's always a gate. All right. There's always a gate, a way out. In 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, God says there's, a way 
out. Please excuse me, but I'm going to turn there. You're going to turn there too if you'd like. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. It says, oh, let me just go a couple of verses before these, before that. Uh, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Verse 13 now, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. It's common. You're not the only one in the temptation, right? If you're tempted to something, you're not the only one, all right? It's common. And God is faithful. When we are not, God is. And he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. There's always a way out. You know, the Garden of Gethsemane, it was, a, it was either a trap or a gate, depending on how you looked at it. For the disciples that didn't trust God, and pray, your will be done, not mine. It was a trap and they fled. For Jesus, it was a gate to the next step, what God was calling him to do. And every single trial, like this one Peter's going through, there's a gate. There's always a way out. There's always a way out. And you know what? It's beautiful because what God often does is if, if you can stand through that trial and trust God's goodness and love for you and his faithfulness when your faith isn't the strongest, if you can get through that trial, he'll turn that trial into a story where you might be able to share about what God did in your life and someone might be sitting there and going, wow, I needed to hear that story. And if you didn't go through that trial, that person hearing your testimony wouldn't have been encouraged to go through their trial. Does that make sense? There's always a gate. It's never a trap. There's always a gate. The servant girl could have been the first convert. Peter could have said, yes, actually, I'm, I'm his most favorite disciple. Uh, let me tell you about what he's going to do for you. You know, but no, Peter denied. It could have been an opportunity, but he denied. Um, a good little picture is my dog, Max. I like using Max because Max, he's, he's on his last legs. He's on some medication and he's got this lump that keeps growing, but he loves food. But you put food down for him and you say, no, nope, and he sits there. And guess what he's looking at? Anyone want to guess? What's he looking at? Call it out. The food. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, initially he looks at the food, but if I, as soon as I say no, he looks at me. And what's he waiting for? Yes. <laughs> He's looking at his master, right? When you're going through a temptation or a trial, the first place you should look to is your master. Not because he's going to say, yes, get into it, <laughs> but because he knows the way through it, all right? And he knows the way, uh, yeah, he knows how you're going to get through that. Why did I have Matthew 6.13 in my... Anyway, writing notes, write that down and look it up later. I'm not sure what that is. Um, prayer also, it's human to mess up. It's human to mess up. Prayer gets our ears tuned to the right voice. You know the accuser, Satan? 
That's what his name means, accuser. Satan means accuser. He will accuse you. And he has many faces. In this situation, he has a servant girl and some others that are there. All right. And they're accusing, right? He's got the high priest, the religious leaders, accusing Jesus. He's got many faces. Out there, he's got many faces. Sometimes it looks like your face in the mirror. But we should always tune our ears in to listen to the Father's voice, not the accuser's voice. And prayer is the best way to learn what his voice sounds like. When I talk to Sonia on the phone, I know it's Sonia before she even says. One, because it comes up on my phone as a picture of her. (laughs) But even if it was another phone, because I know her voice, because I spend time talking to her and listening to her, and she knows my voice too. That's the same with prayer. We get to know the way God speaks to us. Sometimes it's not an audible voice. But it's just, you know what I mean? He speaks to your heart. And you know when you get to a situation, if it's his voice or the accuser's voice, if it's God's voice, it'll always be the truth. If it's the accuser's voice, it'll always be the lie. The truth uh, gets you closer to God through repentance and faith. All right, the truth. So Peter ended up actually hearing the truth. All right, when he heard that rooster crow, that was God's voice. That was God's voice. He remembered the word Jesus said to him. And Jesus, in a sense, got out his secateurs and went, Snip, I'll prune that bit off. Now, Peter, you're right. Now you're ready. We look at Peter and we see he's a blubbering mess on the ground with snot and phlegm and whatever. But Jesus sees him as ready. That's, that's what God wants. <laughs> Tears that, Jesus, that Peter are pray, uh, crying here are actually a good sign that this man is on the right track. It's okay to cry. The truth will bring you closer to God through repentance and faith. A lie will take you further away from him. All right, so oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to go to church. God's never going to forgive me for that. You know, I'm never going to get through this trial. I'm no use to anybody. No one cares about what I say or what I do. No one cares. You know, the lie will take you further away from God. The truth will bring you closer to him. Peter broke down and wept. In verse 72, and uh, that's exactly where he needed to be. Two trials, two men under trials, right? Both of them found guilty. Those courtyard trials come our way every week, all right, every day, especially the more you stand up for Jesus in whatever community you're in. But isn't it beautiful to know that regardless of how you actually get through the next courtyard trial, that you go through, if you fail, or if you succeed and get find the gateway through and you have a story to tell, regardless of that, Jesus has won the courtroom trial once and for all. And there's no need for us to be afraid. There's no need for us to lose hope. There's no need for us to, to lose faith. Jesus prayed, that's what the reference was, Jesus said to Peter, He said, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed. I've prayed for you. And when you come through this, you're going to strengthen your brothers. All right. So if you're going through a trial or or if you've just been through a trial and you're strengthened to tell others, to to strengthen others, you've got a story to tell. Um, But if you're about to go through one, remember, just watch. 
watch that you're not getting caught up in the world and getting too close to that. All right? Fill your mind with what God wants you to, you know, put some worship music on. Read Christian books. Listen to Light FM instead of or whatever it's called, The Light or Rima FM or whatever it is. All right? And fill your mind with good things. Pray. Stay close to Jesus. Open the Bible and read it. Proverbs are awesome. Just read a proverb every morning and put it into practice somewhere. All right? And stay in touch with him. Even if you fail, just stay in touch with him. It's the best thing. All right, let's pray. God, we just thank you so much that you're not finished with any of us. We thank you so much that you are faithful and even when we're not. And we thank you that you are patient and you're strong even when we fail. Jesus, we pray your Holy Spirit would strengthen us, God, to live for you this week. Give us the strength, God, to get through the trials. And we thank you so much for the ones we've been through that we can share of your goodness and your strength, your salvation power and uh, your love for us too. We ask you to bless us now to live for you in Jesus' name. 